This week's episode is brought to you by Tonal. Tonal is a smart at-home gym that replaces every machine in the weight room and has personal training programs built in, so you'll never have to go to the gym again. And the best part? Tonal has a sleek design and looks like a TV on your wall. No bulky weights or racks, and unlike other products that are just cardio, with Tonal you can get a full-body workout with real weight up to 200 pounds of resistance. Tonal coaches can offer you instruction for a variety of workout styles. Full-body muscle building and multi-week weight loss programs, high-intensity classes, bike and tread-specific programs, upper body, lower body, and core-specific workouts. Try Tonal, the world's smartest home gym. Get the strongest deal of the season now. Visit www.tonal.com for $250 off your Tonal purchase. That's T-O-N-A-L dot com. This exclusive deal is only for a limited time, so get your Tonal today. Tonal, be your strongest. I'm not blaming the person who doesn't think yoga is for them. I'm more so asking the question of why. And when we began to merge that with this practice of yoga, which yoga by definition means to join, to yoke, it means union, then we cannot compartmentalize how we see ourselves show up in the practice with how we see ourselves show up in the world. So I'm interested to see what would happen if folks who thought that, nope, yoga is not for me. What happens if they step into it and give it a try? It's more than just your output, more than a fight. Welcome to the Clip Out Podcast, episode 185. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. Shoo! What's that mean? We made it through Thanksgiving. Oh, we did. We made it through Thanksgiving. <laughs> That's me rubbing my belly. I gained like seven pounds in the last week. I uh, ate a lot. <laughs> so did I. But people expect me to gain seven pounds a week well, for the rest of my life. I enjoyed it. <laughs> and uh. now back to it. Yeah, can you believe that the uh, all of the stuff for the end of the year is already coming? Because we're at the beginning of December, and so like Spotify already put out their list of like, here's how your year wrapped up. Yeah, the um, <laughs> I'm not saying I listen to a lot of soft rock, but my number one song of the year was by Seals and Croft. <laughs> so I was like. Well, that's a little depressing. Yeah my my favorite uh, my favorite genre was pop, which I was not surprised sure. at. Yeah, that totally is me. But now they do podcasts too. They do, and, and so many people tagged us that we were their favorite podcast, or at least we made it to the top five. Yeah, uh, I'm was... looking at you, Gina Mitchell. Dax Shepard was up oh. at the top of hers. Dax, you Shepard. Dax, we were number three on number her list. Three. We I know. Number two. Uh, I don't even remember. Oh. I was blown away by da- Zach. <laughs> Dax, there whatever his name is. I'm so upset I can't even remember his name. But somebody tagged us in one that just blew me away. 18,000 minutes. Whoa. They listened to the clip out. So, you know, we don't do math. No. But uh, we have children and we can assign them math problems. Yeah. And actually, he did it on his own. Brian, Brian did the math on his own. And he says that that is a solid 12 and a half days. Whoa. That somebody listened to us. 12 and a half days out of an entire freaking year. That's crazy. I didn't even know we had enough minutes to make up that many minutes. Yeah, they're they're pretty long. Sometimes. I know, but geez, <laughs> I'm list, so sorry. The listeners are like, really? <laughs> <laughs> in one year, though, yeah. eighteen thousand minutes in a year—that's a lot. That is a lot. Whew. So, uh, and this week's guest is 
Chelsea Jackson Roberts. There we go. Yeah. That's very exciting. It is. It's been a while since we talked to a, a Peloton instructor or employee. It is. Uh, I guess the last one was Tune Day, right? Yeah. I think that. Yeah. I think that it was, was I mean, that was right before COVID kind of took over the world because right. I had just come back from L.A. Oh, my God. You're right. Because I, I I started that whole interview by myself. Yeah. Yeah. Because I because I just come back from L.A. and I was like, people are wearing masks in the airport. Oh, my God. Yeah. And not like, just that Asians. Was, that was like, what, the end of January? Or February I think it was like The beginning of February Yeah Yeah because it's always Right around Valentine's Day When you go Yeah That's right Well uh, so you guys Need to check out Tune Day's uh, Now you got me Saying Tune Day uh, You need to check out uh, Chelsea's post On Instagram Because one of the things We talk about In the interview With Chelsea Is how they can How people can enjoy Yoga more mm-hmm. And um, just this week Chelsea had a whole Like video that she did With like her top tips Of oh. how to enjoy Yoga more And since we talked To Chelsea See a couple weeks ago, I have really been upping my yoga game. How about she that? Inspired me. Okay. So. Well, so I guess besides Chelsea, what do you have in store for people? This it's week? just all Chelsea. It's all, just Ch- all Chelsea. <laughs> uh, no, though, there's lots of stuff going on. We there's so many things going on with Peloton that like they're they're expanding. What's mm-hmm. going on with their customer service and what's going on in the market and then their competitors. So there's tons to talk about. Plus, what's going on with the actual instructors and uh, you know, there's a new boutique drop, which by the time this airs will have occurred. It will, yeah, it will already be sold out. Yes, it yes. will have occurred and sold out. <laughs> so we have lots and lots to talk about. Okay, well, before we get to all that, shameless plugs, don't forget we are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeart, tune in wherever you find your podcast. You can find us. You have no excuse. Mm-hmm. That's what we're getting at. Mm-hmm. And uh, we expect everyone next year to have at least 12 days of listening. <laughs> Like Christmas, 12 days of Christmas, 12 days of listening. Seems very easy. Did I say 12 and a half days of listening or 14 and a half days? I think you said 12 and a half. Okay, good. Yeah. So while you're there, be sure and subscribe so you never miss an episode. It'll help you hit your 12-day goal. And of course, leave a review if you would be so kind. We have a new review. Yay! This is from Koa Christina. Okay. It's like K-U-O-K-O-A, Christina. Okay. Okay. I've had my Peloton bike for over a year now, but since COVID has put a hopefully temporary halt to my incessant work travel schedule, I've been getting more active in the online community. That's how I found the clip out. What a treat. I've been working my way through back episodes, which has given me a sense of how much the company and community has grown over the years and the coverage of past homecomings or HRIs, if you're really kicking it old school, Mm -hmm. has me hoping that next year I'll be able to meet and celebrate with everyone in New York City. Oh, you and me both ah <laughs> says uh crystal and tom have great chemistry and tom's lack of interest in anything fitness related reminds me of my own husband <laughs> who blames this podcast for my recent tonal order <laughs> congratulations <laughs> so if you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts informative and entertaining definitely give this a listen so thank you very much for yeah. those kind words wow that was a nice review yeah. thank you and also uh we have a facebook page if you want to stay up to date with us throughout the week uh, facebook.com slash the clip out while you're there like the page join the group and of course sign up for our newsletter at theclipout.com which goes out on sundays unless i forget and send it out on a wi- random wednesday but at least it got sent out what why well, I started to celebrate because I was like, it wasn't me that oh. forgot. And then you were like, but I still sent it out. But I and still I was sent like, it out. Yeah, I didn't. You're like, oh, I guess I could have sent it out. But mm-hmm. I decided, yeah, I still got sent out. So that's pretty awesome. Good yeah. for you. That's, that's great. <laughs> so uh, also, we have a YouTube channel. Uh, if you want to go over there and subscribe, we would greatly appreciate that. YouTube.com slash the clip out where you can see all of these episodes in 
HD glory. So there's all of that. Let's uh, let's dig in, shall we? We shall. Peloton stock ticker. So uh, joining us today via the magic of Zoom Tube is John Mills. Hey, John, how's it going? Doing well. How's it going? Woo! Plugging along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Coming back to work after Thanksgiving week. Oh, oh my! I'm dragging. I'm dragging. It's Gotta painful. I'm telling you, it's like hitting a wall. It's like right. just happy, 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 and then boom. That's right. Walk into a wall. Oh, we're yeah. back. So, I'm back. So, um, one of the things that we wanted to talk to you about was this uh, this new market indication. We have this new price target here. What, what are yeah. your What are your thoughts? It's it says it's at 140 now. Uh, yeah. So- yeah, so Needham raised their price target around twenty five one forty. That's the question I had. My question to my group was, "What prompted this?" Yeah, like in my mind, I'm thinking we got the confusion with regards to the economy right now. Mm-hmm. Are we going to get a stimulus? Are we not? When is it going to come? We've got you know what's going on with the presidential election and and with what's going to happen with the Senate. And to me, I'm not I'm not get why is there a why there was a price target increase by Needham. At this point, I mean, yeah. maybe it's based on the fact that um, I mean, we know long term, you know, Peloton you know, is going to do well. And we, you know, the prospects are all well. And, and, you know, maybe there's other details beyond this that I'm just not thinking of. Or maybe it's just that we're back into the winter season and we know we knew that COVID was going to, you know, pick up during this time, time of the year. And maybe there's something aspect of that that prompted this price targeting. I just don't I don't get it either. I saw the news and posted it, but. I'm not quite sure what prompted it. Yeah, especially when there's been a a lot of negative chatter about Peloton in the short term, especially with the delivery issues and whatnot. You would think that would make big people slow down on recommendations like this. Well, and and also Peloton's been a COVID stock, you know, so with uh, all the vaccine news, it dropped all the all the positive news about everything. We're headed in the right direction of this vaccine. You know, hopefully the world will get to go back to normal someday. Yeah. So, you you know, you would think that they would lower their price. So I get what you're saying, John, and I I'm not sure what this is about either, but um, maybe it's just simply somebody who's like one of us. Like it's right. it's somebody who really gets that pellet, and they just want to be like ahead of the curve. You know, right. maybe it's that simple. I, I don't right. know. <laughs> yeah. you know, you know my, my mind goes to what news is there out there that I didn't hear? <laughs> but um, yeah, it, maybe it's just that again, it's, you know, it's, it's, long-term prospects is the idea behind these price targets so i mean it makes sense it wasn't that i was arguing that it right. makes sense right. yeah it makes sense you've but got why your, now you've but, got but your why? top you've got your top hat all picked out so you don't <laughs> you don't want to talk it down but you know but you know what maybe it's as as simple as is stuff like this that like you know peloton is still expanding right they're building their plano operation out even more it could yes. be. It could be. Yeah. And so for everybody out there who is listening and you get excited about hearing about the Plano operation, I just want to point out this is for customer support. Uh, you know, I saw a lot of people today chatter saying, you know, they were going to go there and maybe this was going to be like another studio. No, it's not. It's an already existing facility and and they have support reps. But the interesting part is that they leased it and they're growing even more. And And I'm glad that they are. I mean, that's great. And I can't believe it's 2018 because I remember reporting on this. Yes. I remember talking about this. And so, wow, they're already expanding. It, it, it makes you wonder, you know, a lot of call centers, they don't have an identification on the building. So even if you did go there, it may not say Peloton. That's right? true. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good they point. Don't, they don't want to encourage you to go 
No, right. they're go like, get, don't show up. Go get mad at the people you talk to on the phone. My understanding is this Legacy Central uh, is actually like a big like a complex, you know, like one of those places that like you see lots of tech places, you know, lots of tech companies. So it could be identified. I have no idea. But uh, either way, it's funny. I I also remember seeing that um, somebody mentioned in our group when they saw this, that somewhere in California, I want to say it was Orange County. There's also uh, Peloton has leased space there as well. And I found that interesting because I don't know that that's customer support, but I also don't think that it's a studio because I think we would know that. I think we would have heard some kind of rumblings if that was the case. So what the heck are they leasing space in California for? I just can't imagine them expanding from a studio standpoint until COVID is completely under control. Agreed. Right. Agreed. I've seen we've seen some showrooms, right, Mm -hmm. pop up here and there. But yeah, I agree with you on that. As it relates to the Plano place, right? What did they say? They had 27,000 square feet Mm -hmm. and now they're expanding it to 90,000. Yeah. But the work, it sounded like, wasn't supposed to start until January. It was going to be a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be a little while before that actually, I think, gets up and running. But although it's December. Oh, that's true. January's not that far away. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's it's 2020. You just feel like you're stuck in March. Yeah, it's still March. (laughs) That's right. That's my mind thinking 2020 is going to repeat. No, it cannot repeat. We cannot do a return back. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody wants to redo this year. No, no, nobody. I think one person who might like a redo. I can think of one person who might like a redo on this year. (laughs) But enough about that. So uh, moving right along, yeah. Uh, Rolling Stone had an interesting article uh, about that article. that article there. That article confuses me. Well, I thought your comments were very interesting. Please, please I have them here if you need me to. Uh, well, Tom, show I can't show at the same time. You keep doing what you're doing. Okay, but uh, but I but I saw that in your Facebook group, you kind of had a list of like all these different uh, all the different competitors and how Rolling Stone ranks them. Considering that Peloton is the best, like they agree with that. That's the leader. Right. Then then yep. it starts listing out all the rest of these. So what what are your thoughts? The well, majority- when I first read it, <laughs> my first thought was. I really just was throwing it out there as information. I just thought, okay, well, they consider Peloton the leader and and here are four or five others and they've ranked them and I guess the order looks right. And to my group, here's that information. Like I wasn't thinking much about it until someone responded and was like, well, why are they talking about hardware? So then I went back and reread it and I was like, you're right. They're ranking them strictly based on the hardware of the bike, wouldn't the software or the classes, the content play a role in how you rank them? Absolutely. I mean, it was a great point. I was like, you're you're right, especially since they rank the Bowflex Velocor bike as, you know, the number one or number two behind Peloton, when we already know they have no uh, off bike classes. Mm. They have no live classes and they only have 75 classes in their catalog total, which is crazy. You know, the, the thing that I found most counterintuitive about this whole article is the fact that Rolling Stone magazine is about music, right? right. Like that's the reason it exists. How did so, they not dive into that? So like if you're gonna talk about fitness bikes or indoor bikes, I mean, right. 
none of them compare to Peloton because none of them are going to have the music selection that right. Peloton does. So, like, if you're a Rolling Stone reader, you would right. think you like music enough to where, like, none of these other bikes are going to make you happy in the way right. that a Peloton is going to make you happy. I kind of wonder if this is somehow on purpose because we just had the interview with the head of music. And I, I just I find it very interesting because that interview was in Rolling Stone. Right. As far as I know, in all of my searches, I have never seen a mention of Peloton and Rolling Stone prior to this. And now two within a month. I find that fascinating. I My guess there. Is they probably did some qualitative research and found out that a disproportionate number of their readers have Peloton. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, because yeah, because they, they I mean they do research like that all the time. So like I that's my that's my thought is that they figured out that even though it's not it's music adjacent, it, you know it's not directly music related that but their readership is more likely to have one and, and enjoy it and have a passion for it. Makes sense. If it was strictly about music, all right, I don't even know if I want to say this, but if it was strictly about music, yeah, it, make, it makes sense. Like, yeah, Peloton and, and what they're doing with, with, with music and how they're trying to use that and they're becoming an influencer in that space. And then we know Echelon just inked some type of deal to do more with music. You'd think Echelon would be higher up in Yeah, there. I think Echelon just linked a deal with KTEL, didn't they? <laughs> For the older yeah. listeners, the yeah, younger just, listeners are like KTEL. The younger go, Google KTEL, just <laughs> K T E L, and then you'll laugh. I don't. I don't know what it is, but both of your faces are cracking me up. So <laughs> I know it's good. I know it's good, <laughs> but I'll have to Google that as well. Okay, yeah, so I, I don't get it. The, the article confused me. And when you look through what their criteria was when they were ranking them, like it's very clear. It's very hardware based. I find it's, that interesting. Yeah, it's based on the you know resistance and, and the structure and how how supportive the bike is, and so I don't know. It's kind of an odd ranking when you look at it. And I think you have a good point, Tom. Why not hit music? Why not yeah. rank them by music? <sighs> that's that's going to kind of bug me. Very confusing. I feel like I feel like now we need to get somebody from Rolling Stone. I'll on, get right on that. And uh, we need to question them, like maybe the <laughs> art, the whoever wrote that article, Oscar Hartzug, something okay. like that. Get Oscar on the phone. I'll I'll get Oscar on the phone. <laughs> I've heard he's grouchy. <laughs> so I don't even think we can get that Oscar on. No. <laughs> Can't even imagine what kind of reception he must get inside of a trash can. Oh my word. It would sound like an amateur podcast. <laughs> Yeah, you got to have good sound if you're going to have a podcast. You do. So uh, moving along, you had a, an interesting post about Peloton competitors and how they're positioning themselves this holiday season. Yeah. Uh-oh. Okay, so walked. so you <laughs> talked about... Already, you, you post so much, you're like, I wrote about what? I post so much, yeah. I don't even know. Remember you don't even this. know. Well, you talked about like Soul Cycle, and you could get it by the holidays, and like then they threw image, in a Theragun. They're imaging themselves as like, you can get our bike by the holidays. Yeah. Well, you know, it's not only them that are doing that. I, I'm noticing that Soul Cycle has done that. Yeah. Nordic Track is doing that as well. And now I saw an ad today from Echelon that is... I mean, they're putting that to the forefront of their advertising. Mm -hmm. It's like, by the way, you know, you might not be able to get Peloton soon, but you can get ours within the next three to four weeks. Yeah, but then you're going to want to get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) 
Right. Yeah. But what's interesting about that is, you know, like I've heard you say before, Tom, it's like you would think that if if that space is having problems with distribution and production coming from overseas, then wouldn't it be like everybody? Yes, it would to a point. But I I guess if now that the covid mania has slowed down their sales, maybe maybe they've got some kind of stocked up you or know? or what if they like had a really big shipment that came in and maybe right. it's here now and they're it just their demand just isn't as strong as what peloton's is and that, yeah, it must be something like that because yeah i don't quite get i mean i to be well actually i do get the soul cycle one i mean because soul cycle hasn't done a whole lot of advertising mm-hmm. they just literally just introduced this commercial that post is referring to and so I guess it would make sense that they would have some bikes that they could, you know, deliver. But the other the other guys, I don't I don't get why they're able to do this. But and Peloton is struggling with such a backlog. I mean, and I mean, unless it's just that that disparate a difference in demand, like it's that much larger. I Maybe think, it is. I think hard. there is. I feel like right now Peloton is Coke in a world with no Pepsi, mm-hmm. you know, right. and it's a whole lot of RC colas. Yeah. yeah, I think they're all they're all fighting to be the Coke or Pepsi or whatever you just said, yeah. but none of them have risen to that level at this point. And Echelon is like they keep beating on the door. You know, they're just like so loud, but I just right. don't see that they're ever going to be there. Like, I think a Nordic track has a much better chance of that occurring. And SoulCycle, I don't know. They have a ton of riders, but I, I just, I don't know, especially with all the issues that they have had. <laughs> just, yes. Uh, uh, yeah. If that, I know we talk about all those issues with SoulCycle. Like, I don't know how broadly advertised all those issues are, but I know a lot of people love them. So, and then I was doing a ranking in my group last week by, I usually do it by Twitter followers. You know, some of these companies are public like Peloton and Nautilus, whereas others like Icon, which is Nordic Track and Echelon and Minx, and they're, they're not. So I don't know how to rank like how popular, how well they're doing. So I use these social platforms. Right. So I normally use Twitter. This past week, I used Instagram to rank them. And of course, SoulCycle is off the charts. Whereas as normal, Echelon's way at the bottom. Yeah. Which is really, really weird to me. It's really starting to confuse me. Instead of they're doing 1,200 classes a week, right? And they've got all these products. I mean, they've just got this boatload of products. Like, how are they at the bottom of all these social follower lists? Like, well, I, I don't I get think, it. I don't know I what part they're of it doing is, something wrong. I just don't know what it is. I think part of it is they just nobody cares. Yeah, like, I, I think it's uh, what you're seeing is kind of going back to the Rolling Stone article when you were mystified about the tact that they took mm-hmm. to compare the bikes. I think that what you're seeing there is that. They're selling bikes, not content. And so people don't engage with the bike in the same way. And so people, they buy an, If you buy an Echelon, you bought a bike and you're good mm-hmm. now and you don't think about it. If you choose to keep riding it, then you, you do. And that's the extent of your interaction with it, where SoulCycle and Peloton are more about selling like an image. Um, right. And I, I don't even mean that to disparage the product. I mean, obviously, I think Peloton has a good product, but I don't mean that to disparage SoulCycle even but it's just 
there's a lifestyle brand that kind of comes along that's bundled into their hardware that echelon just doesn't have and so i just don't think it's like it's the same as like buying a washer or dryer you're not you're not following your washer or dryer manufacturers online I mean, maybe you are, but most people aren't. (laughs) Right. No, I get that. And I think that has some play in it. But I think it's a little deeper. And I'll tell you why. Minx is ahead of Echelon from an Instagram follower perspective. They advertise themselves as like, you know, you don't have to be social with our platform. Right, right. But they still have more followers. Like, it, it's but they something. still they still have a brand identity though, mm-hmm. right? They're, I mean, yeah. their brand is that they're not a brand, basically, but, right? But, but, think- but they still have, you know, like you can describe each company in a in a bite sized chunk. But Echelon's just kind of Echelon. Well, yeah. I mean, I I think that's I think that's what John's saying. Just just for anybody listening, these numbers. So, John, I I have it copied here that you had Peloton has one point one million followers. SoulCycle has three hundred ninety seven thousand. Nordic Track, which is Icon, has 286,000. And then iFit has 127,000. ProForm has uh, 65,000. Bowflex has 53,000. Mix Fitness has 35,000. And then 10,000 below that. And the last place is Echelon at 24,000. I mean, that's that his point weird. is it's like, it's yeah. like so, so glaring. Right. Because Mix is even pretty new. But I also right. think that even the people that have a Mix bike or even the people that have an Echelon bike, they're still following the Peloton content. Like so many people that I see over in the app, if they do have an Echelon, they're still following Peloton. They're still right. engaged in Peloton's content. So I think that kind of goes back to Tom's point. It's like they just bought a piece of furniture but right. so I don't know what it is. I, I think you have a very good point. I also think you have a good point. Maybe it's that, but it's also something else. You know, maybe yeah. it's both. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting how some brands take on a life of their own. Going back to the Coke Pepsi thing, like I mean, you see all. It's not like you never see a Pepsi T-shirt, but you see way more Coke branded yeah. products. The people that that's true embrace Coke as a brand that they want to. Wear or display in some fashion Absolutely absolutely and I think their Commercials their marketing mm-hmm. that's a big piece Of that I don't know I can't Imagine anybody ever being excited About echelon like ever you know what I, You know what I think of <laughs> <laughs> I think of what that is I don't know what it is I'm a horrible Swimmer I try I can swim but I'm exerting way too much effort <laughs> To go too short a distance That reminds me of echelon It's like they're putting out all this effort, yeah. all this work, all this content, all this, this hardware, and they're just barely moving. Like, I don't know what that is. That seems really weird. I don't know what it is either. I would like to believe that it is karmic, and I would like to believe that it's like people just pick up on their desperate ickiness. That's what I would like to believe. Well, you also got to wonder what the business model is. Like, are they are they making money? Like, they're throwing so much stuff against the wall. I mean, I guess they're probably, you know, like I said, I guess their business model is if you just can't afford a Peloton, you know what I mean? I don't know. Because they make a lot of the, the less expensive product they do but it's like but they have their own mirror and they have like i don't know to me to me their product is somebody else did it let's just capitalize on that and try to be like this hub for everything but we're gonna be we're not gonna package it and make it look pretty i i don't know i don't i don't feel like there's any thought behind it to that point 
John, all, I, I feel like all that flailing around is because there's no direction. There's no like, yeah. we are this. And I think that comes from because you're a copycat and you didn't have passion for the design of any of those things. And right. and that shows that comes across to people. Yeah. I mean, maybe people aren't as disgusted as I am by them, but I still think it comes across like there's no passion. Yeah. Peloton loves what they do. Their employees love what they do. It shows. It just right. shows. Yeah, it might not come across in hatred, but it comes as we're seeing, it comes across in just disinterest. Yes. Right. Right. Yes, and that's then, clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one we that one we know. <laughs> and, then, uh, before, and then before we let you go, one more thing that you posted that we uh, that we thought was interesting was um, about Zwift and their relationship yes. with Peloton. Yeah, yeah. So so yeah, uh, the CEO of Zwift uh, was in an interview by Business Insider, and yeah, it, what was interesting about it is. For me, is that he talked about the fact that they're introducing a new smart bike. They've been working on it, and this smart bike is coming out. Yeah, that's interesting to me because these have been two different kind, same category, but kind of going after two different types of riders. Right? Peloton is looking for that rider that's trying to stay in shape. They're that at-home person. They're not really a cyclist, right? They may not be. They might not even have an outdoor bike. They're a a person who does spin and they're trying to exercise and they want the social aspect. Whereas Swift, you know, was more about, I bring my own bike. I buy a trainer device that connects to that bike. I'm indoors just because I can't be outdoor right now. Maybe it's winter, whatever. And I have this graphical representation of me riding with other riders in a race. It's more about competition. They're more serious about ensuring that the metrics are right, mm-hmm. that your output is right, right? Because it's, it's a serious thing. Zwift's platform has even hosted actual races during COVID. Mm-hmm. That's how kind of serious they are about the competitive cyclist versus Peloton about, the, you know, that working, workout, getting shape, home cyclist. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the fact that they're introducing this smart bike to me meant, oh, you're trying to overlap a little. For some reason, you're trying to jump into that space. And I get why they would, right? It's- There's a lot more people like that than the road bike purists. And 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 just like Ooh. for Peloton, that like you could be a road rider and then transfer over into Peloton and then be a spin a person who rides spin bikes, right? And I think I totally agree with you, John. They're trying to get people to take their bike and then go outdoors. They want to go the other direction with right. th- these users. And the CEO is kind of saying that in there. He's kind of straddling a couple things in this. He's going, yeah, um, we, we want to give these folks that are working out at home another, you know, an, a, something else they can do. But I think he also recognizes that those really serious outdoor riders, they don't want to really hear that. I mean, they're really serious about the platform. That to them makes it feel like it's like going into this playground world like you don't want to be a part of that my perception my perception of zwift and obviously it's not my world but my perception has always been that they kind of look down on a peloton user yes and that yes and and, and we're speaking in generalities there are tons of people that use it that don't look down but that you know it it was kind of like this is the the real way to ride a bike and the real way to bring your bike indoor when you don't have a choice and that you know if you just want to be a soccer mom on a spin bike that's go get what, it. Go get a Peloton. Yeah, that's right. what Peloton is for. And so, yeah, it, it is kind of a dangerous road for them to go down because, you know, they could end up alienating their core constituency instead and of. You can hear the CEO trying right. to, like, play that line in the interview, not only with 
those folks. But he's also was trying to play the line with producers of those trainer devices. Okay. You'll hear him in the interview. He's going, well, you know, we're not trying to eat into their space. We we think, you know, we're working with them. Like you, re- if you're developing a bike, I mean, it stands to figure you're going to want people to buy your bike. So you hear him kind of straddling that in the interview, which to me just meant he really isn't trying to eat into that. He just recognizes that Peloton is, you know, 70, 75% of their revenue is hardware. They're getting like their margins are like 45% on hardware. They're making a killing on hardware. And he's going, I got to get a piece of this. Right. That's I just, what I hear. I right? don't know how it's going to pan out, but I will say that I could see him getting some serious play after people you know it's one of those things that it just depends how people take the education there's going to need to be a lot of education around it and and i don't know how that education will be taken in if it's a positive take on it i think they're going to sell a lot of these if it's a negative then obviously they're not and i'm just not i don't know how it's going to go because the reviews aren't out obviously you know to see how people are using it and what they think of it so it'll be interesting to see for sure yeah he's in a tricky space there's some dynamics in here with this community with with his the third parties that support them yeah we'll yeah. see how that plays this should be an interesting one i, I can't wait for their bike to come out we'll <laughs> yeah it'll be fun to watch it will so uh well i guess that's it for this one john until next time where can people find you they can find me on facebook in my run lift and live group uh and my run lift and live page they can find me on instagram run lift and live or at run lift and live if you're looking to avoid carbs it's always a challenge trying to find bread that fits in with your keto lifestyle Right, because you want to make sure that it tastes good and you want to make sure it has good ingredients. So I think Hero Bread does both. Especially when you're in the store, you are overwhelmed with bread choices. Yes. And I've had other breads before that claim to have low net carbs and you are certainly sacrificing taste texture size yes none of that with hero bread no because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs they have like no substance to it (laughs) it's like eating air it is and hero bread actually really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread like i did not feel like i was giving up something i was surprised at how big each slice of bread was here's the real test of a piece of bread (laughs) i didn't make a sandwich with these I just had toast. Which you love because you have toast almost every day. I do. It was the (laughs) best textured bread of this sort that I've ever had. And if you're doing the math, it's zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar, and high in fiber. So don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code TCO at checkout. That's TCO at H-E-R-O dot C-O. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? Well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each. So nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away a hundred or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're a hundred percent polarized. Um, and they also come in like a million different colors and styles. 
for your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clipout listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R.com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30 30- day money back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. Tom. Getting the psychological edge with Dr. Jen. So joining us today via the magic of ZoomTube is Dr. Jen Mann, licensed marriage, family and child therapist and sports psychology consultant. You may know her from VH1's Couples Therapy with Dr. Jen or VH1's Family Therapy with Dr. Jen or her long running radio show, The Dr. Jen Show on Sirius XM or her app, No More Diets, which you should check out, especially I'm sure a lot of people at the beginning of the year are trying to get Resituated. So, yep. uh, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Jen, hi. Hi. Hey, welcome. Good to see you guys. Good to see you too. Ah. So, uh, I guess our topic for the week, like, I don't guess, I know it's written right yeah. here in front of me, yeah. is. Uh, I was like, uh, don't guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, we reached out to <laughs> listeners within the group and just said, Do you have any questions for Dr. Jen? And so, this was one of them. Yes, it was. And they just said, How can you set yourself up to not be frustrated by the stress of the holidays, eating more than you usually do and exercising less due to how busy it is? How do you not let yourself? I don't either do that or get beat yourself up over having done that. Yeah, both. Well, I think this is a great question. And and there are a number of things that jump out at me right away. The first is that it's really important that we adjust our goals to the reality of our lives. And sometimes holiday week is the perfect time. Like, you know, I know that I, as as you guys know, I am very intense with my workouts. I, at this point, like I built up slowly, but now I work out seven days a week. My rest day is an active rest day where I'm doing a, a walking treadmill class and a yoga class or a stretch class. So I'm there with all of you. But I also know that going at this pace for weeks and weeks and months and even years on end without a break and without kind of saying like, okay, this is going to be a lighter week for me. I'm going to say like, okay, this is an opportunity to give my muscles a break. This is an opportunity for me to give my mind a break. Because sometimes we really need to, in order to avoid burnout, we need to adjust our workout schedule so that it's a little bit lighter. And also mentally, sometimes we need a break as much as we love our Peloton and we love our instructors and we live to see their smiling faces and their encouragement at the same time. Sometimes we need to kind of take a little bit of a break. And I think that the holidays are a good time to do that. And it also is a time where we are working harder in terms of making more food, we're cleaning up more, we're just dealing with more, we're wrapping gifts, we're ordering gifts. There's just a lot to deal with. And we've got to give ourselves some room to adjust and to uh, make some different goals when we know we're having a more hectic week. Last week was a great example. Thanksgiving, I did a lot more cooking. Normally, I will stack my classes. I'll do core five, six days a week. I'll do Uh, lower body twice a week, upper body three times a week, cardio, you know, 30 minutes of tread and bike six days. And then like my active rest day, but I was like, you know what? I'm cooking all day long for Thanksgiving. 
if I'm lucky, I will get to do a 20 minute spin class. And I got to live with that. Like I need to make that okay. And just say, Hey, this is a great opportunity for me to have a little bit of a, a, a rest. So I think it's important that people adjust. I also think that it is important that we don't beat ourselves up about it and not make unrealistic goals. Yeah, that's tough to that's tough to balance because, you know, so many of us want everything to be perfect for the holidays, especially. Yeah. And and there's so many high expectations and we want to put more on our our to do list and not take anything yeah. off. So. So how do we not beat ourselves up for not getting to it, especially because we're eating more? Dr. Jen, we got <laughs> yeah. to eat. We totally. have to work that, it all off. But you want the holidays <laughs> well, to be perfect. Part of what makes it perfect is eating all the junk. Right. So now you got to work it <laughs> off. And also, but the other thing that makes it perfect is being emotionally present with our, our loved ones. And we can't be emotionally present when we're obsessing about, I didn't do Robin's turkey burn. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, But we're not present because... We're obsessing about the exercise that we didn't do or the exercise we're going to do that pulls us away from the moment. And I think now more than ever, we have to recognize how valuable these moments are and how valuable our lives are and our loved ones are like more than ever. And I to address the other kind of the part two of this question, which is the emotional eating aspect. And that's something that is a uh, a topic that's near and dear to me is what I did my doctoral dissertation on. I've talked to you guys about how I'm someone who's recovered. I don't say recovering because I have a wonderful, healthy relationship with food after a decade of an eating disorder that I never thought that I would ever be over in a million years. If you follow me on social media, you see on my Insta stories, I'm, I'm eating pasta, I'm eating sweets, I'm eating salads, I'm eating all kinds of foods and I'm working out and I'm someone who feels really good about my body and it took me a lot of therapy and recovery to get here. But it's really important. One of the things that we know is that typically the, the more we restrict ourselves with food, the more out of control we tend to get with foods that we love. So it's like for every kind of extreme on one end, there's an extreme on the other. So what I talk a lot about, and I have an app that's based on my doctoral dissertation and based on the therapy I do with people to help them overcome their food issues, anything from just, I'm struggling with my weight to full-blown eating disorder, obviously with adjunct therapy as well, but is I, my app is called No More Diets. And it's all about learning to listen to your body, learning how to eat when you're hungry, stop when you're satisfied, not overly full. I'm a big fan of what I call the hunger scale. The hunger scale is a scale from zero to 10. 10 is the fullest you've ever been. Your stomach's going to explode. It's Thanksgiving full. You feel like, like you're going to burst open. <laughs> zero is you're about to faint because you're so hungry. Five is neutral. What you want to do is eat when you're a three, which is solidly hungry. If you're not sure think I'm hungry, but I'm not sure you're probably a four. You're starting to get physical symptoms like you're lightheaded, your stomach's rally, you're probably a two. You let yourself get too hungry. If you're starting to feel nauseous and really terrible, you're probably a one. On the other side of that, again, five being neutral, six is, yeah, I can tell I've got food in my stomach, but I'm, I could run down the block if I had to. A seven is I'm full, an eight is I'm stuffed, a nine is I am physically in pain, I've eaten so much. What we want to do is we want to eat when we're a three, because a three means our body is saying, 
I need food. I need fuel. I'm hungry. Now, also keep in mind, food tastes better when we're hungry. When we eat when we're not hungry, it just isn't as good of an experience. And it's also harder to know when to stop because we're not satisfying anything physically. We're eating usually for emotional reasons or because it tastes good. Mm -hmm. What we want to do is we want to stop when we're like a five or a six. So neutral to, yeah, I can tell I've got food in my stomach, but I'm not I'm not uncomfortable. I'm not in pain. So when we are able to have a healthier relationship with food and understand this is a process. If you're someone who has deprived themselves of food a lot and then gets out of control, this is a lengthy process, which is the whole reason why I made my No More Diets app, because I really wanted people to be able to go through that process, which is, again, a timely process that it's not, if you're looking for quick weight loss, this isn't the app for you. If you're looking to heal your relationship with food and feel good about your body, it's the app for you. Okay. Well, and that sounds like a better long-term plan. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And and look, I mean, I, I'm living proof of it. And, you know, I am probably 50 pounds thinner than I was when I was struggling with food and depriving myself of stuff and over-exercising and under-exercising and, and, you know, just in hell mentally. And now I have a really healthy relationship with food and I eat what I want and I stop when I'm satisfied and I have a really nice balance. Awesome. Well, thank you for all that. And uh, until next week, where can people find you? People can find me on social media, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, at Dr. Jen Mann, D-R-J-E-N-N-M-A-N-N, two ends on Jen, two ends on me. Awesome. Thank you. So last week there was a uh, a last minute cancellation of all live classes. Yeah, all live classes at the uh, New York studio, and uh, I don't know it, the con- the general consensus was that it was probably a COVID case and they needed to clean the studio. However, there was no mention of that from Peloton, right. so I have no idea if that was it. It could have been like an electrical issue or a water issue that has certainly closed the studio before. Sure, but in this time of COVID. That's where everybody's mind goes, obviously. Yeah, it's hard not to. Yeah, some of the classes uh, showed up on Sunday and some did not. But uh, it was, I mean, you know, we have all these other classes we can take. So it's not a huge deal. Totally. I'm glad it happened on Saturday and not Thursday, completely selfishly, just because there were so many classes happening uh, from Thanksgiving. You know, that's a big day that like when you're home and you get to take the, the big turkey burn and gotcha. all that. So I was glad that that didn't get affected. Totally selfish on my part. <laughs> Peloton in the news. Vogue had an article, or Vogue UK had yes. an article, I should specify. You know it's Vogue UK because they spelled it with a U. <laughs> Maybe you always spell the Vogue with you. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> this went awry. Yes, <laughs> this is most of what I say does. Uh, they had a conversation, uh, uh, an article, a uh, conversation with Cody Rigsby, Peloton's king of quarantine. Which I think is great that uh, Cody is getting some recognition. You don't see a lot of Cody articles, so this is awesome. I don't know how he became the king of quarantine. There are so many of our instructors that I don't know why they picked him specifically to be called the king of quarantine. But regardless, it's a great article and uh, you will be able to hear more about you can read it and then find out more about Cody and like his background, which is always interesting. You know, I say that every time we do one of these. I love hearing where the instructors came from, how they ended up at Peloton, how they went from, in his case, dance over to the Peloton life. It's fascinating. So if you're curious about those details, you definitely need to check that out. And uh, you can, of course, find that in our newsletter that comes out weekly if you subscribe. It comes out every Sunday unless it's a Wednesday. Yeah. 
weekly-ish. Then Pop Sugar had an article about five trays that'll transform your stationary bike. Yeah, and I, I thought this was interesting because, you know, we had for a little while, we one of our um, advertisers was the spin tray. Spin tray, yeah. And uh, it's a great tray that fits on the bike. And I think it fits just fine on the bike plus, but they're... Are people that say it doesn't. But anyway, there's these other options. And I thought that this was good to let people know is out there because this is another great Christmas gift idea or holiday gift idea. If you're looking for something to add to somebody's bike, like what can I get for my spouse who loves Peloton? Yeah. And you may be not comfortable buying clothes because you don't know what to fit or what they'll like. There's so many choices or they sell out so quickly. They sell out so fast. You got to kind of buy it for yourself if you want to get it. I'm just saying. The clothes. The clothes. Yeah, totally. Yes, that's what I do. Did Spin Tray make the article? Uh, yes, they oh, okay. did. They did make the article. Well, good for them. Yeah, totally. And then Forward.com had an article about Peloton, uh, an opinion piece. Uh, letter from the editor, no less. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and call it a cult. I'm grateful for Peloton. Yes. I love the slug line for their thing. <laughs> Forward, Jewish, fearless since 1897. That's a long time. Yeah. I was just like, I think Jews have been fearless a lot longer than 1897. <laughs> Hell yeah, they have. <laughs> <laughs> so the editor talked about all kinds of how much they love Peloton, but specifically this was, a, they talked about their Sundays with love, Alley Love, okay. uh, the classes, and they talked about how much they like them. And I thought it was uh, a good thing to kind of touch on. You don't, You don't hear a lot of articles that kind of talk about one instructor and like their special class that they have. Gotcha. And so I always, again, I find that kind of interesting to see what resonates with people. Right. Um, You know, those Sundays with love classes have really taken off. People uh, are kind of nutso about it. And I mean that in a good way that like that's the very first class we had that had uh, clothing for it like that okay, it, well, yeah. and then well i guess cody's xoxo class came out just before that but maybe it was just right after i can't remember it's all been so recent <laughs> i buy all the things i don't know anyway i thought this was nice it talks about the gratitude that she has for for ali love and of course her peloton so definitely check this article out it was a really really well written article um i know it was an opinion piece uh, so it's i don't know if that technically is an article i think it's still an article it was a really good one though we'll allow it okay and then uh, another piece, it, it, we're starting to see more of this, but LinkedIn had an article this week. Can Peloton and Zoom keep momentum? Yeah. And this was interesting to me because uh, this article was kind of a collection of articles. Okay. So they kind of pulled in uh, several different pieces that have come out, like from CNBC, The Motley Fool. And they talked about like different people's opinions. It was almost like a compare and contrast. Like, here's why here's the for here's the against okay um and so you had to click on those links that's it you already went past it oh sorry um so you had so it's like right here that's what i'm saying like each Ah. of these is like a link to different articles and and that's how it was like that was just kind of this like one article but when you click on it it's all these different articles gotcha so it's it's a weird kind of not weird but it's a unique way to pull all these different opinions together it's a roundup it is a roundup yes it's perfect woody's roundup (laughs) Yes. Checking out the competition. And TMZ is reporting. I always feel weird saying that because whenever I, it's almost always somebody died. Oh. They're really good about finding out <laughs> quickly when somebody died. They are. Yeah. But uh, this isn't about somebody dying. Uh, <laughs> this is about uh, Pitbull, who is most assuredly alive. Yes. Don't uh, start spreading rumors. Right. He donated. 
the climber equipment, which yeah. is kind of like Peloton, but for climbing. It is. And and so this this is kind of interesting for a few reasons. One, uh, Jay-Z is involved in this. And that is fascinating because, as we know, Beyonce just had her big right. collaboration, just start, signed her big collaboration with Peloton. But also, um, okay, so Jay-Z is involved with this climber. I guess he is one of the backers of it. And then it looks like they're going to give access and the actual equipment. So it's very similar to what Peloton just did. Right. Um, And so for those of you that don't know what a climber is, it's this like standalone machine that you literally climb and it's it has classes. And I got to be honest, like I love technology and I do not understand the point of this at all. Like (laughs) I just... I mean, this is ginormous. So the things like as you climb, it's it, it's You're almost like, like a it's like a treadmill ladder. Yes, yeah. And I just don't know. I I have no interest in doing that. Like mm. none. I mean, props to them for doing something freaking different. Yeah, it was no. not another bike. It's not another treadmill. Like they no. did something different. So props to them for that. And I'm not even saying I wouldn't enjoy it if I used it. I just. It just, it, it just climbing a ladder sounds painful. Well, it also sounds like there just perceptually seems like there'd be a very limited amount of things that you could do on it. Exactly. Like so how are you having all these classes? Like yeah, there's could, only so many ways you can climb. Maybe they could sell an attachment you could put at the top and like while you're up there you could clean gutters. <laughs> you could have fake gutters to clean when you get to the top. I don't know. And I am genuinely curious how they are going to do this because there's so much interest in it and that surprises me too. I mean Jay-Z and Beyonce are not dumb people. You know? They are not. They are very, very savvy business people. So I feel like there's more to this than meets the eye. And I am I'm curious about it. But at first sight, I don't get it. I do not understand this. So I'm I don't know. We'll see how that lands. But it's also just weird that it's kind of the same. It just feels very similar to what Peloton just did. Totally. So I don't know. We'll we'll see Climber in general, but good for them for donating regardless. Absolutely. Like, that's still a great thing. Yes. And then the Turkey Burn ride happened this week. It did. It did. So so there was uh, two on Thursday. One was really early in the morning, 7 a.m. here with Alex. And then <laughs> I am laughing for those of you who are not watching the YouTube because Tom has acquired or created, I believe, acquired a, a picture of a turkey Riding a Peloton and it is really funny. It's what I do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, so, yes, there were two turkey. She bones. can't focus now. I can't. Because I put a turkey on a Peloton and she wants to nuzzle that I turkey. I do. I do want to. <laughs> Look at his little feet dangling. He can't even reach the little pedals. <laughs> How's he going to ride that thing? He's so cute. <laughs> oh, my word. Um. <laughs> So anyway, back to the turkey bird. There were two. Alex had one uh, first thing in the morning. It was 7 a.m. our time. I can't even look at you. And uh, <laughs> and and there were 35,000 people on it live. And then Robin did one that was 10 o'clock central time. And there were 50,000 people wow. on it live. And that's just crazy because it was only two years ago. That they like had a record breaking ride of 25,000 people. Yeah. That's and, crazy. I mean, without even trying, they had 35 and 50 
together in one day. That's just wow. Um, Also, I just have to mention, first of all, I didn't take the Alex ride because I wasn't going to take two turkey burn rides. And I also was not going to get up at 6 a.m. Sure. To take a ride. But I took the Robin ride and uh, it was great. And I've heard nothing but wonderful things about the Alex ride as well. During the class, because remember, Robin is pregnant. She did an amazing shout out. She shouted out for this woman who is going to be a grandma. She informed her on the ride that she was going to be a grandma. That's cool. It was very cool. Um, And uh, Shelly Brunick is the grandma to be. And her daughter, Ashley, is the soon to be mom. And uh, I just thought that was really cool. The grandma posted it on. So Shelly Brunick posted on the OPP. It had over (laughs) 18,000 likes. Yikes. But I got a little teary when it happened. Like it was like it was because, I mean, Robin's about to be a mom. Right. And, you know, she's dealt with the whole how difficult it's been Mm -hmm. to be a mom. It was just a very, very powerful moment. Also. Tons of high fives. So many high fives. I could barely pedal. Like it was insane. I think I was following like four or five hundred people on that ride, which is I think that was a record for me. Also, uh, Andrea Barber. I got two high fives. from How about that? I just made a high ten. It's both made my day. (laughs) So uh, Kendall had another movie buff ride. If what's a movie without a sequel? Absolutely. Movie buff part two. Yeah. And it it was all about the 80s. So I haven't gotten to take this one yet because stupid meetings, stupid work. Did she do the entire ride holding the Peloton over her head while wearing a trench coat? I don't know. I don't know because I haven't gotten to take it. But I don't think so. I think it was a a whole host of 80s music or movies. So uh, I don't know which one she hit yet. But I can't wait to find out. I, awesome. This is on my must-take list. Uh, if anybody out there took it, I want to hear all the details. So it aired on Monday, 1130. And then there are uh, new bike boot camp instructor on-demand classes. What? No, I'm reading <laughs> no, this all wrong. you got this all wrong. Editors, I'd like to start that over. <laughs> I would like a mulligan. There are new bike boot camp on-demand classes <laughs> that have dropped. Yes, but that's not what it says. What does it fucking say? <laughs> <laughs> it's a new instructor for the bike boot camp classes. Toonday has been added to the roster. Oh, I didn't know how to read it because I'm like, Toonday's already an instructor. She that's is. not new. She is, but she is not an instructor for the bike boot camps. Oh. That's what it was trying to say. Okay. <laughs> and uh, if you had read any of my posts today, you would have known this already. So we know how much he follows me on Facebook. But um, yeah, this is this is big news because, uh, you know, Robin is one of the instructors for, for bike boot camps. And so I believe this is phase one. Of uh, getting ready for her to be on maternity leave. Okay. But also, I hope that this means Day will be doing bike boot camps for the long term. Because um, her arms, like every everybody I know wants her arms. Everybody. People talk about her arms a lot. And so she's going to be doing the bike boot camps, which means she's going to kick our asses. <laughs> this is amazing. Well, with this her arms, she, you would probably want her to punch your asses. That's true. That's true. That's a good point. So, uh, yeah, today um, on 12-2, uh, an on-demand class dropped at 10 a.m. Eastern. And there are also live classes that are coming up on the schedule. So okay. big news. Okay. Then there is a uh, rumor that there will, by the time you're hearing this, there will have been a new boutique drop. And it will be sold out, I'm sure. And by the time you hear it, it'll be gone. So I don't know why we're talking about it at all. But, because, uh, because because this is where you go to hear the things. Sure. And uh, and so, uh, yeah, I and besides, it's a rumor. So I don't know yeah. that that's what's going to happen. But it's what, supposed to hit Thursday morning. But that's also why it's so important to 
join the group, follow you on Instagrams, things like that, because you talk you when those things happen, you post them there and people can get it right away. Exactly. Exactly. And so when I hear these rumors, I like to share it with people because I want everybody to get as much clothing as they can. I want them to be happy. I want them to get the Peloton apparel. So, um, yeah, that's the that's the news. I can't wait to see what it's going to be. And um, I can't wait to buy some things. <laughs> Peloton birthdays. And then finally, we have a birthday that we missed. Yes. Which was Jen Sherman, whose birthday was the day that we're recording. That's why it got missed. Yeah. Because last week, it was too far ahead. Whoops. Yeah. Whoopsies. So December 2nd, happy birthday to Jen Sherman. And then... We can't sing it because then we'd have... There'd be royalty fees. Yeah. Uh, And then... And we can't sing. Toon Days is coming up on December 5th. It is. So uh, join her live for one of her brand new bike boot camp classes. She will be so excited and you can celebrate her birthday with her since she celebrates our milestones with us. Peloton Personnel. So uh, joining us today via the magic of Zoom Tube is Dr. Chelsea Jackson Roberts, an internationally celebrated Peloton yoga teacher, scholar, and Lululemon Global Ambassador who founded <laughs> Yoga Literature and Art Camp at Spelman College Museum of Fine Art in 2014 after receiving her doctorate, <laughs> doctorate in educational studies from Emory University. I'm tired just reading all that. Yeah, you're an accomplished lady. That's a whole lot. <laughs> Thank you. So, Thank you, Tom and Crystal, for having me. <laughs> You're so sweet. I, You know, that leads us to our first question that I know a lot of people have. What do we call you? <laughs> do we call uh, you? Do we you call you Doctor Chelsea? Chelsea? I think it's sweet. <laughs> I think it's sweet. People are calling me Doctor Chelsea. I've have not requested that, but I think it's pretty sweet. But you can call me Chelsea. You're, you're nicer than I am because if I if I had a PhD, I'd be like I'd make Crystal call me Doctor, <laughs> and she'd be like, "You son of a bitch!" I'm like, "That's Doctor, son of a bitch." <laughs> Y'all are wild. <laughs> Let's get it. Let's get <laughs> another another question that we had. So our, our listeners, you know, put a lot of these questions yeah. together. And one question okay. that we saw over and over was that your your classes, like you have this energy, this light that like you you manage to bring to classes and and it makes them so accessible. You know, whether it's an advanced class or it's it's a beginner class, they're still accessible for all levels. How do you do that? <laughs> well, first of all, I appreciate that acknowledgement. You know, I do work really hard and deliberately to make my classes accessible. I think about myself. I think about when I first stepped into a yoga class. It was a hot yoga class. I fainted. And once I (laughs) once I came to it was just like, whoa, that was intense. And then I wanted to go back. So (laughs) that's my personality. I wanted to go back for some more. But for me, I think about how I felt the first time that I stepped into a yoga class, the insecurity, the self-doubt of like, am I doing it right? Do I have the right body type for this? Do people think that I even need to be here? And so I keep that person in the back of my mind whenever I teach. And I also think about, you know, I'm a former 
school teacher. I taught third grade in Atlanta, Georgia. And so I think about my students and I think about how can I capture the attention of a third grader, of an eight or nine year old right now. And that's what I bring to the yoga mat. So I'm glad that it's resonating with people out there. It is. <laughs> it is. It is working. It is working. That's pretty impressive that the the first time you fainted and like now you run that. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> that says a lot about where like if, if I fainted I'd be like well that's something I I rode a motorcycle <laughs> once and I crashed into a tree and I, ne- I do not teach motorcycle <laughs> yeah I totally understand that <laughs> yoga was just a little different I also started to not go to the hot yoga classes all the time so I got a fuller wider expansive understanding of what yoga could be <laughs> so you would start with like lukewarm yoga <laughs> Exactly. And then work your way up. So <laughs> that makes a lot more sense. So what made you bridge the gap from taking a class to teaching it? Sure. So when I was starting my yoga practice, I um, just graduated from Stallman College in Atlanta, Georgia. I actually lived here in New York. I'm in New York right now, of course. And I was in graduate school at Teachers College, Columbia University. And that's where I did my master's program in education. And so it was during that time that I started to transition and I wanted to give yoga a try. And so moved back to Atlanta, became a school teacher. And during that time, I was simultaneously like going to yoga teacher training while I was a school teacher. And so it was just like a no brainer for me. It was just like, I'm seeing these connections. I'm feeling the ways that I feel more relaxed, more grounded whenever I would come from school and do my yoga practice. And so the wheel started turning and I was just like, well, what would happen if I started to introduce My students, um, I was at a Title I school where the majority of the students are below the poverty line. So there were a lot of issues in the classroom. And so I thought about what if we integrated breathing and movement and all of these different things. And so that's where I started to see the connections. And after teaching for um, over five years, actually seven years, I decided to apply to that program at Emory and I got this fellowship and it was a five-year program. And I said, well, why not continue what I've already started? And so that's how I, I started my PhD work and made that connection. That's incredible. That's crazy. So I, like, <laughs> I'm going to call a slight audible here. So I'm just interested because like, I don't know much about the world of yoga in case you can't uh-huh. tell by looking at me. And uh, <laughs> and so um, like you have gone to some very prestigious educational facilities, which typically have price tags attached to them. Yeah. And is, yeah. is yoga a career path that like says I can pay off my student loans typically or? Absolutely not. Okay. I, just, I was like, is there something about yoga? You know, I don't know. You know, I am. That is so funny. And my father, you and my father would have a great conversation. <laughs> not understand any of this. He's like, so let me get this straight. You just got a PhD and now you're teaching yoga. I don't yeah. get it. So I had to break it down to Frank Jackson real quick. So what it is, is that, you know, I knew that I had already invested so much time, money, energy in education. And I knew that I had to continue that trajectory, whether it was being a school teacher, whether it was getting into um, the tenure track positions in universities. But I knew that there was something about this practice of yoga and my dissertation in particular focused on how black women, brown women could work in community with younger women who self-identified as women of color and how yoga could be used as a tool to understand 
how to learn, how to process learning. And so I started to make those connections and I said, well, I'm not going to just abandon, you know, again, that investment in my education, I'm going to make this connection. And so that's really how the path happened. I have also experienced being a, um, a teacher, a yoga teacher in a studio. And absolutely, it's a challenge. It's a challenge to make ends meet as a yoga teacher. And things are changing now. And I'm grateful to be um, at Peloton to be able to have this platform to share yoga at such a wide, expansive range. So just real quick before we move on to the next one, just one more follow up to my follow up. <laughs> now that you're at Peloton, have you taken yes. time to rub your dad's face in it? <laughs> All the covers of Yoga Journal yeah. magazine are strategically placed around the house. I have my mother doing that. So, That's yes. nice. Launder it through her. Very nice. nice. Very Hat, nice. Hat tip. Well done. Well done. So, uh, you know, during the intro, when Tom was introducing you, we he said that you had founded the yoga and literature art camp at Spelman yeah. College. So yeah. how did that come to be? Like, it sounds yeah. like it was very organic, but I'm I'm curious to hear the origin story. Yeah, so that was my dissertation. I did a case study. So I'm an ethnographer by research. That means that I study the culture, culture of how we learn, the culture of how people communicate. And so I look at yoga as a culture. I look at, at yoga as a way of learning and understanding. And so that's how I arrived to what if we had this case study? I went back to my home, Spelman College. They opened the doors for me to have this test, really. I was like, they really trust me and <laughs> parents really trust me with their children. So this is amazing. And so I had this case study. I called up some certified yoga teachers who I knew in the community. One of my closest friends, Octavia Rahim. She's also a former educator. And so we co-directed this case study and I was the researcher on it. And so done with the case study, done with my dissertation, getting ready to apply for tenure track positions. And then the children who were a part of the case study and their parents and their families and their friends started writing us emails asking, when is the next camp going to be? This was supposed to just be a one-time thing <laughs> that I was doing my dissertation on. They made that happen. And so I told my now husband, who was my fiance at the time, Shane, I was like, what am I going to do? And he said, what do you want to do? And he supported me every step of the way. So we founded Yoga Literature and Art Camp in 2013. He said, we need to have some sustainable way to make sure that we can fund this. So that's when we started our nonprofit, Red Clay Yoga, in 2014. And it's still going strong in Atlanta. We have a community of educators, researchers, yoga teachers who are still continuing the work that we started during my dissertation. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. That's just... Just real quick, what's the significance of red clay? I feel like that means red something. Red clay, yeah. So if you've ever been to Georgia or the South, you may notice that the dirt is red. And we just wanted to go back to our roots. My family's origins are in the South, Mississippi, Nashville, Tennessee. And Shane's family is from Louisiana. So it was just like, let's represent. So red <laughs> clay. And it just stuck. And That's here we are. Awesome. <laughs> That's great. So uh, we had someone ask about or comment that you talk in your class sometimes about getting curious and mm. they were just wondering what you're curious about these days. Mm. 
I'm curious to see what happens if people who think that yoga is not for them actually step into that and get curious with why they think yoga is not for them. And that was one of my processes that I had to go through. I interrogated a lot of different systems and even in the yoga class where I'm supposed to be Zen and, you know, getting like all of society out of my mind, I couldn't help it because my experience wasn't separate from what I was experiencing out in the world as a black woman. And so when I would go into yoga studios, sometimes people would make assumptions that I had never practiced yoga before. I was a certified yoga teacher. Even when teaching yoga in festivals and conferences, people would still question if I was the master teacher. And so (laughs) those are the things that I'm like, well, I'm not blaming the person who doesn't think yoga is for them. I'm more so asking the question of why. And when we began to merge that with this practice of yoga, which yoga by definition means to join, to yoke, it means union, then we cannot compartmentalize how we see ourselves show up in the practice with how we see ourselves show up in the world. So I'm interested to see what would happen if folks who thought that Nope, yoga's not for me. What happens if they step into it and give it a try? <laughs> you, you know, I, that's really interesting you say that because one of the questions that we had for you is that people have tried yoga maybe a few times and it didn't work. Like, so what made you fall in love with yoga? Like, why did it click so much for you? Yeah, it wasn't love at first sight. I mean, after all, I fainted in my first class. Passed out on the floor. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know what. Maybe I need to go to some therapy to figure out exactly why I am drawn to this right now. But I found out that, you know, because I was in this hot yoga class and we had these mirrors all around us. And I remember the hardest thing was for me to look at myself in the mirror. For whatever reason, what I was going through at that point in my life, it was hard for me to look at myself. And it was once I started looking at myself that I started to fall in love with the practice. I had an aversion to embracing the body that I I was in or that I currently am in now because it's the same body. But I had these thoughts, thoughts that were imposed by society about what I thought I should look like to even step into some yoga pants or whatever it may have been. And so for me, the yoga started working once I started to see that the yoga is really about me understanding who Chelsea is and all of the things that has accumulated in my body that my body will remember, even if my mind tells me, oh, I wasn't impacted by that thing or no, that thing didn't bother me. My body remembered. And so the more that I started to center my experiences and honor my experiences, that's what made me fall in love with the practice more. And it's not all rainbows and cupcakes all the time. You know, it's not, there are times where I'm still like, Ooh, do I need to get on this mat? Yes. You need to get on the mat. Usually when your body is telling you like, Nope, we don't need this right now. Give it a try. And not feeling like you have to be super critical. If you're not busting out a handstand every <laughs> single class, well, that's it's good. Just like <laughs> allow yourself to breathe. And I think that that's what I know that that's what I want to articulate with yoga. I think it's beautiful, the practices, the postures, the shapes. And also I want people to know that yoga is not just about the shapes. It's about being in your body, breathing and allowing yourself to be present. And so that for me is what was the hardest and the scariest part initially to get through, to be with myself. Yeah. 
That's fascinating. Along those lines, another question we had, and I'm kind of switching gears to meditation, but I feel like they're closely linked, is, is how do you know if you're actually meditating or you're just thinking and your eyes are closed? I feel mm-hmm. like I feel like you have a good sense of this based on your last answer. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Yes. I mean, there are moments where I'm still crystal like trying to figure out Chelsea, like what is on your mind that you cannot just focus on the breath. And the biggest practice and lesson that I'm learning is that if I'm allowing myself to just listen to the breath as it moves in and out of me, that's a form of meditation, believe it or not. I also don't have to meditate for 20 minutes for it to count. Perhaps I get two minutes in of just being present to my breath. Like I tell people, like if you're ever feeling overwhelmed, sit back. Even if you got 30 seconds, close your eyes, take a deep breath. I have my my Apple Watch on now and I love the breathing reminder. And that's meditation. And I want people to know that it doesn't have to be this profound expression. We don't have to go to the Himalayas and, you know, be ordained monks in order to meditate. Meditation happens. Meditation happens for some people when they're on the bike, but more than anything, when they're on the tread or when they're in their strength class, but more than anything, I want you to know that meditation is this one point of focus. And for me, that's the breath. And so when you practice with us on our meditation classes, you'll often hear us use the breath as a tool or use visualization as a tool and just not being critical, not taking yourself so seriously. And I know that's hard to do. But if third graders can meditate, I'm pretty sure that we're capable. But again, that's a tall order because third graders also don't have all of the accumulation that we've had over a lifetime to think about. So, yeah. Yeah, And I just tell people if those thoughts pop in, you just breathe in, exhale, not now. Like just as simple as that, not now. It's funny because I think so many Peloton owners are type A personalities and we're all about like, must ace that must do the best and so I think we get in our own heads when it comes to meditation and yoga yeah (laughs) have you ever seen a yoga teacher fold a yoga blanket we are some intense people like our folding yoga blankets are like it's an art it's like origami I'm just like why are we so intense about this but we do the same thing and that is what I'm working on as well through my yoga practice as you can see, I'm pretty serious about education. So I'm clearly a, a, I'm doing my homework out there and making sure everything is done. But yoga also brings in this playfulness for me as well to balance it out. So like if you are that type A personality and you want to kind of free up a little bit, take that Beyonce yoga class. <laughs> you know, like there's so much of a range throughout this practice that I, I'm just in love with. <laughs> you know, speaking of Beyonce, I would think that as a Spellman graduate, like this collaboration has to have some special meaning for you. Could you talk about that some? Well, first of all, when I gathered myself off the, the floor, when I found <laughs> out that this was happening, like, come on, Beyonce, like, and then Spellman College and then so many other HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities. That was an absolute dream come true. To be a Peloton yoga instructor, yoga and meditation instructor at this time, it's just like, what did I do to deserve this place in life right now? It meant the world to me to be seen in that way, to have our story elevated. A lot of people aren't familiar as to why HBCUs even exist. But I think that Peloton and Beyonce made it very clear. And 
that was just a moment that's going to last forever. I mean, people are still buzzing about it. I still pop into my Beyonce yoga class. There are at least 100 people practicing anytime that I go on there. Wow. People are excited. And it meant so much to the HBCU students who received those two-year subscriptions, those memberships. So, Yeah, I saw some uh, <sighs> some stuff on Twitter of uh, one of the recipients receiving it. And uh, it's redundant, I guess, but uh, uh, it made more sense in my head. But uh, but but she was like, it was it was great just to see like how visibly moved she was by it. It's huge. It is. I mean, we when you think about you know 2020 in general, like, and some of the students who are having one of the um, most transformative experiences of their lives right now, whether they weren't able to walk and graduate or they're starting their freshman year. Like, what a nice way to extend, like, we see you, we see you, and we're here to support you, and we're here to bring you into community, and that's what I loved about this partnership. Yeah, it has to be frustrating. I mean, you know, a large part of going to college is that community experience and the networking capabilities, but I feel like, I feel like as much as that's true for college in general, I feel like it's doubly true for HBCUs, and so to not, to basically have that stolen from you would have right. to just be beyond frustrating yeah 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 i can't wait it sure 20- made up for it yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. part a, of it made up for it what a great way yeah. to put a bright light on a on a kind of a dumpster fire of a year yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so in all the the different kind of work that you've done education and and with your foundation has there been any moments that you've worked with young adults that have just really stood out to you that are really super memorable? Oh, absolutely. I remember. So our administrative, she's really about to be graduated to co-director, Chloe Blackman. Like I have to shout her out. Chloe found me when she was a high school senior and she found me on Instagram about six years ago. And she just, she knew about me. I had been on the, um, the cover of Yoga Journal. She just wrote me. And I was like, who's this sweet girl? And she was like, I'm on my way to Spelman College and I would love to volunteer with you in your camp. And I was just like, there's something about her. This young woman has now become a certified yoga teacher. She graduated from Spelman College. She just finished her master's. And now she is legitimately running yoga literature and art camp since Shane and I have moved here to New York. So that moment right there was just like, this is what it was for. It was to mentor young women. It's to mentor and remind them that there is something here for them once they get here to see themselves reflected in leadership positions, because that's what Spelman did for me. It was normal for me to see a black woman as a president of a college. That was normal to see a dean and, you know, all of these leaders. And so for me, those moments where I see the young women who have matriculated through the program and have now become certified yoga teachers and graduating from college. Like those are those moments for me. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. that's really powerful. Yeah, totally. What a legacy that you're you're creating. That's fi- that's just phenomenal. <laughs> so uh, on, oh, the he- on, you. <laughs> on the heels of that, like painting with a broad brush, slap me down if I'm wrong. I think of <laughs> yoga as an industry as being a fairly white. Mm-hmm. space and and so yeah. what was that did you have any challenges like coming up through the system as you were developing your own style of instructing 
Absolutely. Um, you're right. In the Western world in particular, yes, um, it is very much dominated. If you Google yoga right now and images, you'll see exactly what we're talking about. The point of where I was headlining a conference one year and someone walked in and thought that I was actually in there to clean the room. Oof. These are the moments that we have as Black folks walking in this this world. And so for me, yeah, it was huge for me to always remember where I'm from. Like, I'll never forget where I'm from. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. My granny is 95 years old <laughs> and still thriving and driving. Oh, but dear. No, we'll talk about that. Um, but I just remember what she has gone through, right? I right. remember she was born in the 20s. And she's experienced the Great Depression. She's experienced Jim Crow, segregation. She's from Nashville, Tennessee. And so I'm like, how dare I not continue to walk in that legacy? You just mentioned Crystal Lake. How dare I not? And so anytime that I get an opportunity or anytime that I have to do a call out on where I see inequities or I see mar someone being marginalized, regardless of if it's race or gender or anything, ageism even, I have to speak up like that is the commitment that I made when I stepped into this role of being such a visible yoga teacher. And so absolutely it was tough. And I remind people that yoga spaces and communities are still made up of the, of the people who make up this world. And although there is so much joy and beauty in this world, there's also a lot of pain and suffering. And I've experienced harm in yoga spaces specifically because I am a black woman. And so it's my work and my my commitment to always open the doors for folks who may not have the opportunities and to always remember to that my past is prologue to what I'm experiencing now and to always remember that future and those young women in particular who are coming again. So, yeah, it's been challenging, but. The reward on the other side when I'm afraid to speak my truth is so much more than that fear it, that was initially. Yeah, you should uh, <laughs> you should make one of those magazine covers, your lock screen on your phone. Like, <laughs> boom. Be like, what magazine yeah, are like, you on? Yeah. <laughs> right. And every time I call someone on an iPhone, it just pops up whether they want it yeah. to or not. Just like, that would just be like amazing. <laughs> Next time they try, why, why don't you go fetch me a water, honey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> that is fabulous. Uh, so this is more just uh, just yoga questions in general. But how do you balance uh, yoga with uh, more hard hitting exercises like cardio and weights? Mm -hmm. I, they are complementary. I feel like they support each other. I can hold a plank, honey, for at least five minutes. No, you can't. I, prom I promise. Now I have to prove it and put it like on Instagram or something and tag y'all. Like, I know that my yoga practice supports how I show up like in a strength class or even my endurance on the bike. And then vice versa. Like, again, how I was saying that I can be a bit type A at times. And I feel like it's when I get on the bike, you know, with any instructor, I'm allowed, allowing myself to show up fully. And so I just see the complimentary pieces. And I hope that members, if they haven't given yoga a try, we have a spectacular roster of yogis and meditators who, um, who bring it. And I, I just, yeah, it's just a compliment. It, it's, it's definitely a compliment, but I, I feel like 
how do you know like what is an appropriate amount of each exercise mm-hmm. to put in? Because because like I'm always worried about like trying to to stay on the thinner side. So I feel like I got to burn a lot of calories and yoga doesn't necessarily burn a lot of calories. But like you said, it does the strengthening because, you know, you're holding mm-hmm. poses. So like what's a good way to integrate that from a timing standpoint? Yeah, I would say to start out with a meditation, like to start out with a five, we have five minute meditations just so that you can be attuned to what your body needs. Like that's when I quiet myself to, so I can say, Chelsea, what do you really need today? And it may be a really vigorous workout or it may be, you know, just coast here a little bit. And so my yoga practice makes me more aware for what else I need or what I need or if I'm going too far because I don't want to harm myself because then that puts me out of the game for a while and so and we're burning a lot of calories in yoga like those power (laughs) yoga classes and you know sun salutations over and over um so just knowing that it's just a different way that it hits, it hits different when you are <laughs> when you are in a yoga practice. So, you know, I would say use your yoga and meditation practice as a check in even for your other workouts modalities that's, yeah that's really smart awesome. I like that. well i know you have a hard stop stop time so we want to be respectful of your time so yes. uh just thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to Absolutely. join us and i guess before we go in case people aren't aware <laughs> where can they find all of your stuff yes so of course all the time on peloton i'm offering yoga and meditation and then also on social i am chelsea loves yoga <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you both. This was so fun. We try. <laughs> Spread the word. Absolutely. So I guess that brings this one to a close. What, pray tell, do you have in store for people next week? We are going to talk to Elijah Winfrey. Awesome. So uh, until then, where can people find you? People can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. They can find me on Instagram, Twitter, the bike, or of course the tread at Clip Out Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online, Facebook.com slash The Clip Out. While you're there, like the page, join the group. Of course, don't forget our YouTube channel, YouTube.com slash The Clip Out. You can subscribe to us over there as well. So you can watch these shows and all the images we share throughout like pictures of a turkey on a peloton. It's very you exciting. You never know what you're going to miss. Yeah. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> so, and also you can sign up for our newsletter at theclipout.com. So that's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep pedaling. And running. And running.